0: Hi, and welcome to our 20th class from the Christian Basics, or for my Lutheran teenagers out there, Confirmation. Every week we aim to bring you biblical content that will help you in your new or emerging walk with Christ. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor down at First Lutheran in Houston, and this week we are continuing in the small catechism, but beginning to look at the Apostles' Creed. Let's roll. a creed. What is a creed? Well, it's a basically a statement of belief. For a lot of Christians, they've sort of abandoned the idea of saying or reciting these historic creeds. They'll say deeds, not creeds. Deeds not creeds actually is a creed though. So, they're kind of inescapable. We shouldn't see the creeds as being opposed to what the Bible teaches, but really being a concise summary of what the Bible teaches. The creeds, there are typically three historic creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. They really basically say, this is what Christianity is, and if you don't confess all of these absolute, required truths, then whatever you're confessing is not historic Christianity. So it's a good way to have a kind of boundary around what is Orthodox Christianity and what is not. So therefore, like in my church, we say one of those creeds every week. It's to remind ourselves of what we believe and really to what we have bound our life. So hopefully in your church, you also say one of those three creeds every week. Well, let's look at the Apostles' Creed. It's divided into three articles or three sections, and each one deals with one of the persons of the triune God, Father, Son, or Spirit. So the first article is of creation and it reads simply i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth what does this mean answer i believe that god has made me and all creatures that he has given me my body and soul eyes ears and all my limbs my reason and all my senses and still preserves them in addition thereto clothing and shoes meat and drink house and homestead wife and children fields cattle and all my goods that he provides me richly and daily with all that I need to support this body and life, protects me from all danger, and guards me and preserves me from all evil, and all of this out of pure fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me, for all which I owe to him to thank, praise, serve, and obey him. This is most certainly true. Well, this is a reminder that everything we have is in truth, gods. We are mere stewards. Not only did God create the universe, by the way, once a long time ago and just kind of set it in motion, that's a deistic view of things, we actually believe that God interacts in his creation right now. So he is still the giver of all that we have. He is still the creator of everything in our life. Now notice, too, there's a real simplicity with this a first article of the Apostles' Creed. It doesn't get into all the details about how God created or when He created. There are different schools of thought in Christianity about a young Earth or an old Earth. In other words, whether the universe is a few thousand years old or a few billion years old. But the the point is that what we believe that the kind of sine qua non, the bare essential of what we believe as Christians is that God is the creator of all things. It didn't just randomly appear, it didn't just come into being on its own, but it is the result of God's choosing to create the universe. The power of the creed is that we've kind of figured out what are the most important issues to to agree on as Christians, and so it's not to say those other issues aren't important and not worthy of debate and study, but it's just that when it comes to being a Christian— The main thing to believe is that God is the creator of all things. And the second article deals with Jesus. It's of redemption. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick, and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and delivered me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, in order that I may be wholly his own. And live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Even as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, this is most certainly true. Well, of great import in this article of the Creed are the sort of historical facts surrounding the life and death of Jesus. While to be a Christian, you have to have a supernatural worldview. The reality is that our Christian claims take place in a historical context. They can be falsified or verified. They either happened or they did not. So there's really theological and historical importance here. Jesus existed at a specific time and place, and to choose not to believe that is certainly your right. There are people who do that. But it really puts you against history. If you just cannot bear to leave your naturalistic worldview behind, well, that's another matter. But in the Creed, we affirm the historic reality of Jesus living, of the way that he died, the fact that he rose from the dead, and also that he ascended into heaven. The third article of sanctification. I believe in the Holy Ghost, one holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting what does this mean I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him but the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel enlightened me with his gifts sanctified and kept me in the true faith even as he calls gathers enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith in which Christian church He forgives daily and richly all sins to me and all believers, and at the last day will raise up me and all the dead, and will give to me and to all believers in Christ everlasting life. This is most certainly true. Well, Luther's teaching here is really crucial in understanding the work of the Spirit. First of all, a Christian does not come to Christ on his own. He is called and led by the Spirit of God to make a proclamation of faith uh, in the name of Christ. Lutherans would say this does run counter to some of what might be called decision theology, which sort of says that you make a decision for Christ as your Lord, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. We say, no, you have to have the Spirit before you can make a positive confession of Christ as your Lord. Second, the Spirit also plays a role in the ongoing life of the Christian. This is called sanctification or growing in holiness. Yes, the Spirit plays a huge role in bringing us to a confession of Christ as our Lord, but the Spirit also plays a, a big role in us living a holy life, in us desiring the things of God, in us being obedient to the law of God. This is where the Spirit really does play an active role in enlightening us, in calling us, in gathering us, and in making us holy. I kind of like the image of a boomerang when I think about the three persons of God working together for one cause, which is to draw his people to himself, to glorify himself in the calling and redeeming of his people, you know, a boomerang is something you throw, and I, I guess it can come back to you. I, I've never thrown one, and doubt that I would be good enough for it to actually come back to me. But anyway, that's sort of the the idea behind it. And so, from God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son comes, and Jesus sends the Spirit of God. And now the Spirit then does the work of bringing us into a confession of Christ our Lord, who then reconciles us through His saving work um, and His own perfect righteousness, brings us to be reconciled to God the Father. So there's there's a way in which each person of the Godhead works to do the will of God totally, and maybe that's a way to help remember it? Finally, while this should be elementary for Christians, and we are going to have a whole video just on the Trinity very soon, you know, it should be said that the Spirit is not an it, but a he. The Spirit of God is a person, no less and, and no less important, and no less in any way a person as is the Father and the Son. And in some ways, I think the Spirit does kind of the behind-the-scenes work uh, of God. You know, he is, he is not wanting to draw attention to himself, but rather he works so that we can grow in holiness and confess Christ as our Lord, so we can be reconciled to the Father. Uh, but in no way does he draw attention to himself per se. It's more that work behind the scenes. But please understand that the Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity, and it is wholly appropriate to speak of the Spirit as a he, not an it. Well, thanks for joining me this week as we looked at the Apostles' Creed. And next week, we're going to continue to look at the uh, small catechism. We're going to take two videos to look at the Lord's Prayer. And remember that you can email me at Class at gmail.com. You can go to the church website, flhouston.org, to learn more. Of course, uh, subscribe to this channel. That definitely helps uh, the word spread. It comes up on searches when people are searching for Christian content on YouTube, so that would be helpful. Feel free to spread the word as well, but until next time, take care.